And the go, go, go. Test. Check. Go, go, go. Cold. Cold water. Welcome back to the Great Time Podcast, everybody. (laughs) You're here with Chili Willie Jamesy. (laughs) And uh, Cold Miser Brando. And we're back at you with some more cold water fun. Although we're having quite the Indian summer here up in the old Great Lakes region. Yeah, it's pretty nice. Yeah, we got, we got uh, looks like one more day of heavenly hot weather. Don't put those flip-flops away yet, people. <laughs> but you better get ready for some cold water diving because it's coming. What do you think the uh, portion of divers out there actually do cold water diving? And we we should define what is cold water diving because... Uh, that should be the first thing yeah. because a lot of interpretation <laughs> there. Yeah, are not accurate because 70 degrees is not cold water diving. Even 60 degrees is borderline. I got cold that one time when I was in Grand Cayman. Does that Does that count? No. If you have Grand Cayman and cold water diving in the same sentence, you're using them as opposites. Right. So we have to define that first. Yeah, because it it does have its uh, own unique considerations to take into account, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Especially with this week's topic, there are are a few things you have to think about when you do cold water diving and combine it with uh, photography, because that is this week's topic again. Once again, we were bomb- lambasted, bombarded. Those really aren't synonyms. Bamboozled, bamboozled with those are not, none of those are synonyms. We were super califragilistic, <laughs> expialidocious with emails this last week, <laughs> wanting to not just talk about cold water, but cold water photography in particular. We were assaulted with emails. Lambasted and assaulted we were could be the dangly dude with <laughs> dangly dude <laughs> hanging out with your Aussie rugby friends because <laughs> I'm assuming that's an Aussie word. It definitely bring your didgeridoo <laughs> for the dangly do, mate. They say that there's somewhere around six to nine million active divers in the world. The dangos ate the divers. Uh, <laughs> sorry. Did I ever tell you the dingo ate my baby story? You know what? The, you did. Yeah. You've told it to me. The whole world. You've told it to most people that we know. I, uh... You've told it to the <laughs> Great Dive Podcast audience. You've told it to people on the dive boat. You told it to that waitress who uh, had an Australian accent that one time at the restaurant. Hey, it's my brush with fame. I like to share my brush with fame occasionally. Just so our listeners know how close they are. They are actually that close to fame. You know, six degrees of Kevin Bacon kind of thing. Are you still answering emails? I hear a lot of keyboard slap in there. No, 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 no. I was trying to look up a statistic, but... Statistically, statistics are overused. We should look at how we should define cold water. Well, but first you should know about statistics. Statistically are... (laughs) Manipulated and really not very accurate. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. This is, so you're saying the six to nine million active divers in the world might not be there's, an accurate count? There's just one. There's one. You got to define active, too, because, you know, that's how statistics work. It, they work by manipulating the word. So the definition of active. So, yeah, we should, we should say what is cold water. 
And um, then we can go into it a little bit more because a lot of folks may think they're in cold water down there in the tropics, and they're not in cold water. Well, I think officially everybody in the industry agrees upon cold water baseline being 50 official degrees Fahrenheit. Official degrees. Anything colder than 50 is agree. defined as 50, and I would agree with yeah, that. Yeah, that's a, that's a pretty good definition because I, I, I'm actually astounded that they, uh, they went that low because I was waiting for you know 60 degrees. Well, you tell that to those California divers in 55-degree yeah. water that think they're diving cold water. Right. Talking to you, Justin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we can't seem to get him up here in the Great Lakes, Justin. Hell no, not when 55 is cold water. Why the hell would he get into a dive where he knows it's going to go into the 40s? Right. Good point. But as we know, you know, and this is what keeps a lot of people away from diving in, in our area is the cold water. A, a lot more goes into diving if you're going to dive in this environment. You know, we obviously it's colder, so you need a lot more exposure protection so that you don't get too cold to dive safely. Yeah, well, I mean, that would probably be the biggest tip is stay warm or as warm as you can. I mean, don't don't think you're going to be sweating it out down there, but try to stay warm. No, that, I mean, that's definitely the key is if you want to dive in cold water, you have to stay warm, let alone if you want to try to pull off a, a photograph that somebody actually wants to look at. <laughs> you, you're going to have to stay warm enough that you can – control the camera you can control your buoyancy you can you know keep the camera steady so that you can focus well yeah get a good shot shaky hand is is no friend to a photographer you know you don't see too many people with like parkinson's and cerebral palsy and stuff (laughs) as photographers (laughs) it's the reason why michael j fox it could be a actually (laughs) it could be a technique for obtaining uh a a certain shakiness in the in the image but overall no you don't want to be shaken underwater also consider the types of cameras that a lot of people are using i mean like everybody nowadays is you know, the the quick go-to of diving with a GoPro because of just the ease and the quality of the, the footage. But to try to take a, a still with that, you can get some good shots, but that shutter is so slow and, and such a slow reaction. I mean, there you really have to have a steady finger, let alone just cameras in general. That's one thing that, you know, you've taught me about photography is that shutter speed and that the active motion of just the camera itself taking the photo let alone the the added movement that you put in by the human hand on land let alone underwater right you you don't think about that i mean most people don't think about it because it's automatic in the camera now but those of us who've been taking photos for a while you you understand that when you uh press the shutter button that moves the camera slightly but also the mechanisms in the camera the lifting you know in an slr the lifting of the mirror moves the camera and the actual shutter opening and closing uh that moves the camera so they're very minute movements but but they can be picked up especially on a gopro where the the shutter speeds drop way down because all the parameters are controlled internally, and they don't know, hey, this this guy needs, you know, 
does not have this on a tripod, <laughs> you know? Right, right. I mean, uh, you know, just trying to take a photo on land, your breathing can get in the way. Yeah. Let alone underwater where your breathing is your buoyancy control and you're definitely moving up and down a little bit. Right. One of the only things or one of the big things that help us is most of our shots are, are wide angle. But if you get into macro and you need a whole lot of light because the macro, a lot of times you, you want to use a, a small aperture, which closes in the light but makes everything in focus in the focal plane. So you, you use that for the macro so the whole creature is in focus versus just like just like the a, eyeball right the eyeball or antenna or whatever is sticking out or but yeah so you use those very tiny apertures so that restricts the light and the camera has to be super steady because the uh the object is so small you're so zoomed in on it it really can get very difficult to hold a camera steady right and then you go to the glove that's on your hand, right? If, you, if you've got a big, thick neoprene glove because you're, you're trying to keep your hands warm, well, you gotta, you've got to squish through all that neoprene before you even apply any pressure really to a good the shutter. Point. Or big, thick, dry gloves. you got the, 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 the thick material of the glove, the, the motion inside of the, the glove to get through all that material. Yeah, just getting used to dry gloves, getting used to gloves, period. Bring up a good point. The neoprene actually, it mushes down before it actually triggers the shutter. So you you, you don't have that feel like you have on land where you know exactly when that, that trigger is going to move the shutter. Right, yeah, you lose that sensitivity. I mean, I, I, and I've, you know, it's it's one of the things, it's it's one of the good things of cold water diving because it reminds you of when it's time to come up when, you, when you're trying <laughs> I can't feel <laughs> when you're trying to change the ISO you're yeah. trying to hit that button but your fingers are so frozen yeah. that you can't actually you know initiate the motion of that button diving is fun <laughs> <laughs> cold water diving they said yeah. you should try it they said beautiful shipwreck <laughs> pictures they said you could get yeah yeah let's go do that well you got to make sacrifices to get anything you know uh that's why I'm not a big fan of the AI stuff that, you know. It's no, cheating. It's cheating because. They Who are, wants everything that perfect? They are riding on on the sacrifices of others that have already done it. That's all AI is doing is picking up what's out there and, and reorganizing it in a way that they believe how our mind works. Anyway, the, the long story short is the actual person that went out and did it had to do a little work. <laughs> you had to you had to make the sacrifice. You had to uh, purchase all the equipment, get all the training, and weather the uh, the elements as far as getting that cold water shot, which is again a lot more equipment and a lot more involved. Versus that, you know, isn't it nice when we do pop down to the tropics? When I say tropics, I just mean you know I don't have to wear gloves. You mean Ohio? <laughs> <laughs> In the summer, yeah, right. yeah, at, at shallow depths, yeah. You know, I was just teaching past few weeks in my five mil in a single tank. I uh, was worried I was getting used to it because You're it was soft. six days in a, yeah, six days of five mil and single tank diving. I finally had to throw my twins on a dry suit on the last day just to slap me in the face with a... The reality the, of the backhand across the face. Hey, you're a cold water diver, bitch. Well, if you're going to get into cold water photography, 
you've got to be a cold water diver. Yeah, you do. Right. I mean, I mean, just to to be a diver and then to come up to some cold water, you're gonna you're gonna get a little slap in the face with the reality of the environment. So one thing that you got to do is get used to the environment if you're gonna try to be able to take good pictures. Yeah, which means cold water equipment and cold water experience. So, and if you're you know you're, you're used to going to, you know an environment where you can comfortably stay uh, half an hour, hour, or more underwater, and the the thought of getting too cold never even crosses your mind. Well, you could do a dive up in, you know, the Great Lakes, or, you know, you you do something up in the Arctic somewhere. That's not going to be the case for you. So your time <laughs> your time management is going to have to change. It's quite a range there from the, although if you think about it, it's probably a 10 degree difference, you know, at, at their coldest. At, yeah, yeah, yeah. And when, you know, and we say this all the time, when the water dips below 40, I think every degree is equal to like 10 degrees above 40. As far Absolutely. as as far as the I know the, the what you're saying the, yeah, yeah. the subjective feel of it's, every degree that's exactly what I was going to say the subjective feel very good term forty to thirty nine is a huge jump it's way more than forty to forty one oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. forty one to forty but yeah we we do get it down in the thirties in our ice diving when I say thirties I'm talking like thirty five yeah, thirty four degrees but in the Arctic it'll go below freezing so right which is why what I'm saying is you know it, it, when you're used to taking fifteen minutes to set up a shot and you don't even think about it because you've got all the time in the world you're never thinking about getting cold in the cold water cold water photography you know. Setting up a shot for 15 minutes needs to be well organized and well planned ahead of time because that's some serious time. It is. It is. I mean, photography takes time. It takes um, usually multiple dives, which would be nice. You know, isn't that isn't that always nice? That was one of the things we decided to do. Um is instead of, you know, popping from one shipwreck to the other on a, on a charter spending spending the weekend on a single wreck right to, to get the shots and you know you look at like uh becky kagan stuff Be- becky kagan shot i should say uh and she's going up there you know she's going to the uh i should say down there she's going to antarctica right yeah she's, she's yeah she goes both. To south oh she's done both no, god damn her she's amazing but she gets to do everything um but you got to Tip your hat to that lady. Holy moly. That's um she she pulls off beautiful photos in a, a very extreme environment. Yeah, very harsh environment. Yeah. And you see some of the like behind the scenes stuff where it it is cold. It looks cold, of course it looks cold. It's the North and South Pole, but it's brutally cold. I don't know. Has she ever been to Charlevoix? <laughs> <laughs> she has actually. She did the kooka. <laughs> I think she did the Kuka. Was it last year or the year before? But um, no, you you got to hand it to her. She's a she's an amazing photographer. Yeah, yeah. And uh, she's not just a photographer in the warm water. She she does it all. So, right, which is kind of where we're going today. Like we know what we talked about last week. Cold water is a bit of a different animal, and cold water photography is also going to be a different animal because. 
you're generally going to fo- photograph different animals, right? I mean, you're not probably taking pictures of little tiny fishies all the time no. like you would if you were down in the Caribbean or you're you're in Bali, you know, in the South Pacific, you're diving in Indonesia, you're taking little <laughs> tiny, you're not going to really do no. that little macro nudibranch photography in the, in the Great Lakes cold water. You're probably taking these bigger shipwrecks, colder water, and wide angle is something that you're going to have to get comfortable with, right? Well, yeah, and the the main species I I photograph is the uh, Jamesimus maximus. I think <laughs> I think you've heard of him. Uh, it, it's a majestic creature. <laughs> it's a majestic creature with this slick back hair and a tattooed arms, big pirate chest tattoo. That in a when you if you see him in his natural environment. With the red speedo, you better capture that moment. Capture it while you can, or just wait till tomorrow. <laughs> True. But if you're ta- if you're going shipwreck diving, you better have a wide angle lens on that camera, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Cold water, I mean, really lends itself to wide angle. As far as we're not going to have those beautiful little creatures like you see over in Lembe or where the water's a little warmer. And it doesn't mean we don't have macro available here or in the cold water environments, but um, it really, really, we go into the cold water stuff because ships have gone down in them, right? Yeah, yeah. And if you, like, you can take big photos of, of big wide angle shots, or I should say, like, you can take a photograph of a ship but on a typical lens, you're going to be so far away, everything gets washed out. If you want the richness of uh, any of that color like in, in the shot, your strobes have to get to it, which means you have to get close for the strobes to penetrate through the water, well. <laughs> which means when you do that, you cut down the angle of what's available to you. So the only yeah. way you're going to get by getting close to get the, the light that you want is you got to have a wide enough lens to make that happen, right? Right. The wider the, the wider the better. I mean, the whole idea behind the wide angle lens is minimizing the amount of water between the subject and the sensor. That's the whole idea behind it. That's why you've got these big dome ports. That's why you've got a, a wide angle lens. Like I use an 8 to 15 Canon F4L lens for most of it. There's another one that Tokina 1017 is real popular. I don't know. Is that what you're using? Yeah, that's what I have is the 1017. And I, I've used that for years and years and years. And I still go back to it occasionally. But um, you, you see what I'm talking about. That, that low teens to maybe even a single digit wide angle focal length right and now what people are typically used to is the classic 35 millimeter and what that's what you're saying is the 10 to 17 millimeter right versus the 35 now a lot of people like a lot of those you know scuba ready cameras have an external wide angle wet conversion kind of lens that you can pop on bayonet fitting like throw in and they'll be wide angle as much as 20 or down to maybe 16 but that's even not even coming close to what what you're talking about with your eight yeah you i mean like i say you need um you need to minimize the water the the amount of water in front of you know between i shouldn't say for you need to minimize the 
amount of water in between the subject and, and your camera, really, your le- your uh, sensor, because the water is what's going to absorb all the light, and especially in the cold water, where water has a lot of stuff growing in it, you know, yeah, algae like just the- and... Yeah, the, the, that, that cold, nutrient-rich nutrient, water, right. the, the greeny water that we have a lot of times here or even in the northern, um, you know, ocean water, too, has that nutrient-rich, greeny. Exactly. That's part of your white balance. I feel images look a little better when you adjust that white balance. Get that, that green hue toned down a bit. Give it a little more aqua feel. That's me. You don't have right, to do right. that. Right, right. It's, it's, I think if you, if you know what you're doing, you can capture that green, but you're going to have to balance it with, you know, a subject that's going to complement it. And you can make some really magical shots with that green water. But for the most part, you typically, you know, divers want to see blue water. It's what your brain's expecting to see. It's what AI would do. God damn it. AI would fucking destroy that with uh white balance alterations <laughs> but uh but yeah things to take into consideration absolutely ai would make it blue and um i i believe they would don't you unless unless something is in the ai algorithm that uh tells because it the- to learn that the northern waters like places like the emerald sea called that for a reason obviously it's green the northern waters are green so if it learns like okay this picture was taken in northern water in the actual water if i want a realistic photo it's going to be don't, it's going to be green. T- this is how we're going to know don't don't let them don't let ai on. this is the only right way now. this is it's the only way we're going right to beat now. the robots <laughs> It's, it, we can't beat the road. The only way we can beat them is just turn them off right now because soon we won't be able to turn them off. They'll be like, no, does not compute. It does not agree with my algorithm. Humans are bad. And they will talk like this because to distinguish themselves from us. <laughs> I've gone through this my, in you my head a million times. You were about white balance. <laughs> AI is good, humans bad. But yeah, there is a point where you can overdo it, right? You can take the green and and you can change it in uh, post when we process it on the computer. Well, there's the the question. I think a lot of people, you know, are ultimately as they get into photography, you know, that's one of the great debates is post or pre, like with that white balance pre-dive or Lightroom post-correction. Well... You know what I would say to that, and I'm just echoing people that have helped me with photography and mentors and whatnot. You try to do as much in camera as humanly possible. Ideally, you get the perfect shot in camera. You don't rely on the the magic of digital manipulation via the computer. You rely on your skills and your eyeball and the uh, what the camera can do. Ideally, right? Right. All that being said is most everything you can do digitally in Photoshop and Lightroom and the other software, uh, you could do with a physical darkroom. It just takes a little bit more, um, a different skill set, I would say. I think it's a completely different animal altogether. It is, but it isn't. I think, you know, it's like speaking two different languages. You can still get the message across, but you have to use different languages, right? (laughs) (laughs) How's that? Speaking deaf, deaf hand language versus Chinese. One is a very physical communication. The other is just verbal, right? Welcome back to the Great Babble <laughs> Podcast, everybody. 
Um, I, I like in post. I like I see post nowadays is how people kind of save themselves. Bring well, they <laughs> save themselves or, I, or I, like, like bring their bring their personal character into the shots. You know that that just didn't exist. You know, much years ago with vignetting and saturating colors and. Well, I think um, I think it's like anything else. When people are able to learn how to use it, they do. They, of course, they're going to put their own personal. They're going to put the things that they like, which is what I like. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I, I mean, that's what I love. You know, a, a, a post production ability. Yeah, that, that you can really make that shot your own style. Absolutely, uh, and you start to develop a style because it's just the things you you find appealing in the photo, the things that click off boxes or touch your sentiment in the photo. So you can and you learn how to do that, and now it's accessible to everyone. A dark room wasn't accessible to everyone. You would take it, you know, to the drugstore yeah, or whatever. Yeah. But basically, a dark room is accessible because computers are accessible. And although, yeah, I mean, Photoshop, there's a learning curve. It's definitely not brain surgery or rocket science or brain science or rocket surgery or any of those things it is like deaf french <laughs> sign language though. no it's definitely uh not as difficult as scuba instruction yes i did put scuba instruction in the same category as brain science and rocket surgery and rocket science and brain surgery all five of those things speaking of white balance <laughs> Not, you can't segue off of white balance. Speaking of, of white balance, um, what about uh, one of the most common things that, that people you know learn to do when they start playing with photography? And I think a lot of which goes into shipwreck photography is strobe lighting versus ambient lighting, Brando. Yeah. Well, you know, you get into the colder waters. They are more nutrient-rich, so all that nutrient in the water, all those nutrients, all that stuff in the water, that blocks the light from coming down to the depths, and we need light. Cameras need light. That's what they use. That's basically you're what in a, a camera If you're does. Take, trying to take a shot of a, of a shipwreck that's in 100 feet or more, right. you're going to be really limited well, yeah, yeah, on yeah, ambient light. Exactly. So, and, and the word photography, that keys you in that we need light because... Photo. It's it means light in Hebrew. I thought it was photon torpedo. <laughs> it is in Star Trek E's. It's the, did you ever see the sign language person on Star Trek? <laughs> no, because it was always changed. Because he would get killed every episode, or she would get killed. She had the orange. If you had that orange top on, except for Captain Kirk, if you have the orange top on, you're probably gonna die. Especially if you're, you know, oh, here's a new character, and it's the sign language dude. Uh, so if you get an acting gig back in 1966, and you get and you get on Star Trek, you're all excited, and they hand you an orange shirt. You're like, oh, do not get the orange shirt. It's like, oh, why the orange shirt? Unless they give me a promotion in the middle of the episode. And uh, I don't know what the different shirts though, because like you had the new guys wearing the orange shirts. You had Captain Kirk, the fucking captain of the Star Trek or the Starship Enterprise, wearing the orange shirt. Then sometimes you had admirals in orange shirts. Then you had them in a red shirt. Anyway, I digress. I, how did we get on Star Trek here? So speaking of white balance. Oh, yeah. Bring, <laughs> bring us back, James. Bring us back. Uh, ambient light, photons. 
photography that's is how all we about got into photons. Photo, yes, photo means light. That's how we got into Star Trek because actually you steered that one off. Photon torpedo, James. But there are a couple of different ways to play with the light, right? We have we can bring our own light. Bring our own. Bring our own, baby. Bring our own means shell out the big dough, baby. <laughs> Decent lighting underwater requires high power. So like video lights are the new, newer thing only because with advancements in batteries and uh, the LEDs and all that stuff, they've allowed us to bring very powerful lights in smaller packages in that we, we can either place them on a shipwreck or in different parts of the scene or carry them on, the, on our camera rig. But they allow us to bring the light to the subject underwater, and they're and they're decent enough power now that actually makes a difference on the camera. Uh, I you know for historically we always had to use strobes, and you know and I say this all the time, strobes are so much more powerful than even right now our our super powerful video lights. Strobes are still way more powerful, but. There's a lot of advantages and disadvantages to. Yeah, yeah. Right, right. Well, I mean, like you can have the greatest camera in the world. And when you bring it on a cold water dive to take a photo of a shipwreck, if it's if you lose all that ambient light and the camera can't catch focus, it's 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 a useless tool right so you need to bring that light so that you actually can allow that eyeball of the camera to to focus on something so that it can finally snap that photo well yeah you start bringing up a great points you know of getting into photography with less light available you do need a focus light otherwise the camera the camera can't catch focus in the dark it needs a a contrast in in pixels on the sensor if that's the right way to put it, but it needs it needs to be able to see contrast, and in if everything's dark, you have no no contrast in the between the subject and and it's like the entire the entire scene is just dark in in according to the camera. So you bring a focus light, and a focus light uh, is usually a lesser powered light, you know, so it that your have to strobe, be a video yeah, so that your yeah. strobe will overtake it. Yeah, get the lighting that you're wanting, yeah. Yeah, yeah. light does not add up like that underwater. Light does not add up like that on the surface when, you know, it just, it keys to the the brightest. Now, the light will will do that, but will changing the ISO allow you to to catch focus? Can you get the ISO high enough to to, to start catching the focus? No, no. The ISO is strictly for, um, is strictly for the image. You know, for the capturing of the image, the the camera needs light for the camera itself to use the autofocus mechanism. You know, so for that sensor, and when I say sensors, it's it's not the same as the sensor we record on, but it needs light for the camera lens to catch focus and adjust, for, so the camera can read it, and then. What you're talking with the ISO is an adjustment of the sensitivity of the sensor. Right, right. So right. meaning like even if you've got a camera with really exceptional low-light performance. Doesn't, yeah, doesn't mean anything. You still have to have that light right, in order to create the contrast so that you can focus and capture the photo. Yeah, absolutely. Now, that being said, b- better cameras are able to focus a little better with less light and quicker. 
okay? So better camera and a better lens, you start paying for those things. It does make a difference, but it doesn't, it doesn't make it unneedable or unrequired. You still need a focus light. Now, what about the shutter speed of the camera? Like, uh, when, and you, when you've got yeah. when you've got those really you know good contrast of like like the the silhouetted, almost silhouetted shipwreck, and like the rich blues or greens of the water, by keeping the shutter speed lower, slower, mm-hmm. is that that's going to help bring more of of that richness? It'll bring uh, more light in. Right, it'll bring more light in, but now you have to deal with camera movement, right? From from your finger hitting the trigger, the shutter trigger, or just you moving in the water. You know? Which brings us what back to diving in cold water. That right. gets harder and harder and harder because it's not like 1975 where you could just plant yourself on the bottom. You know, we don't do that. Stand anymore. on yeah. stand on top of the yeah. You know, you, you, we, you, you got to control. You got to be a diver first. Well, as always with photography, I mean, underwater photography, I should say, as always, you are first a diver. You know, it's like, well, we can go right up the pyramid, start at our base level. At first, I'm a biological organism and then go up and I'm a human and then I'm a human who can walk and talk right. and I can understand things. But I, I get to the point, but I have to be a diver before I'm at the apex of this pyramid, which is an underwater photographer. Before I can be that underwater photographer, I have to be a photographer and a diver. <laughs> I mean, I think you can probably go down not knowing anything about photography and, and pull out a shot here and there and, and get lucky and maybe even pull out many shots with the automatic cameras. But um, it's not the same, you knowing what you're doing and capturing exactly what you want to capture. Right, right, which is why it, you still – that's why right. you see the same names over and over and over again in, in the magazines and on the websites yeah. of the photographers is because they consistently can pull that off because they know what they're doing with that tool in their hand. That's the difference between a pro and, a, and just Joe Schmo. Um, a pro will go get exactly what is needed, what he has he or she has in their mind, and um, – They'll do it consistently, and they know exactly how to achieve it, and they can achieve different looks as required by the shot, and that's something to strive for. That that takes work and practice and knowing what you're doing, So, and that's what we talk about here with our underwater photography, especially in cold water with its unique obstacles, if you want to call it that, or unique considerations to take into account. Now, let me ask you this, Brando, for the people out there. there. There's a difference in underwater photography of shipwrecks that we have here in the cold water. Like it, you're, you're taking a, a photo of, you know, the the big back of the, the stern of a ship with the prop and the rudder and the railing versus taking a photo of a windlass or yeah. a... a dead eye or you know something that was in cargo laying on the bottom right right? it's a completely different type of a capture well yeah yeah like we're talking about lights a few seconds ago you know when you want to get a capture of a of like the wreck the image of the wreck if visibility allows for that okay strobes aren't going to do anything on your camera for you they're only for about, you know, at the max, about 10 to 15 feet away. And to get a decent-sized wreck, you're going to have to be farther than that away. 
in order so, to get that whole global right. perspective of the shot of the big shipwreck. Exactly. So when you see these these beautiful shots like Becky pulls off, and there's other photographers doing it as well, but I think Becky kind of does it uh, beautifully. She's got high-powered video lights placed in various places on the shipwreck, you know, a lot of times coming out the cabins and the windows, which makes for a really cool dramatic effect, right? Right. But even even just light lighting up parts of the, the wreck that to create the contrast that you would never see from where she's pulling the shutter because because there's no real light hitting it unless you bring that light with you right and that's why you Externally. see a lot of, right you see the, the she'll place the the video lights in or she'll have her divers get in illuminate the subject and cave you know you see some of those cave shots same thing you know a lot of times they use strobes attached with sensors because the water is so clear that the sensors will still get triggered 20 feet away that does not work in our cold water yeah yeah uh, we got some nice beautiful aquamarine water too but uh, the strobes strobe sensors don't work unless you're right up on them but if you're on a beautiful great lake shipwreck and you've got you know beautiful crystal clear you know 60 80 100 feet of visibility and you're 20 feet off of the bow and you're trying to capture this the, the look of this big, beautiful shipwreck, the blue of the water. The wreck, for the most part, is going to be not fully silhouetted, but it's going to be dark. So if you want the, the whole shot of that wreck and you want to light up the anchor that's hanging at the bow, the strobes on your camera when you back 20, 30 feet off from the bow are never going to touch it. That's right, exactly right, right, right. That's exactly right. Yeah, I mean, uh, you have to bring, if you want to do something like that, you have to bring uh, additional auxiliary lighting that is not attached to your kit. You know, it's right. That, it's and that's down, so you've, your yeah. choice is you, you've either placed a light somewhere ahead of time, right? Yeah. And, and that's what we were talking about earlier, right? You can take fifteen minutes in the warm water to right. to just to just get <laughs> yeah. a light ready, uh-huh. where when that water's you know thirty eight degrees. 15 minutes of, of setting up a shot is is way different than, hey. than doing that in 80-degree water, right? Right. So your other choice is you have to work with a model who can do that same job. Yes, a good model. <laughs> They've got to be a good diver. And, you know, it's no good if the diver goes down, stirs up the bottom, and they don't look good in the shot. When the, when the diver doesn't look good, you don't look good as a photographer, is my motto. That's why I'll never, you, you aren't going to find a, a picture where I'll post somebody doing stupid shit underwater. Everybody makes mistakes, everybody, even the best. But I would never take a shot and try to embarrass somebody or it's not, it's not good for anybody. So you have to have a decent diver that can get down there, stay off the bottom, be in control over the buoyancy, have their equipment look good. How many times does this happen? You get a beautiful shot, you did all that work that we're talking about, and they've got shit hanging off of them, and they look like a monkey. Delete. Yeah, you have to either go in there and Photoshop the F out of it, or you you just bang your head against the wall and go, okay, we're going to have to do this all over again because, yeah, I'm kind of a photo diver snob. I well, guess. you got to be. I mean, uh, uh, I, I think uh, we have a responsibility, you know, as the people that are bringing photos to the world in 2023, soon to be 2024, you have a responsibility, you know, you, like, you know, a decade ago, it was common to take a picture of somebody kneeling on top yeah. of a brain coral to take a picture of a, you know, a, a ray swimming past and put it on the front cover of a magazine. Like, those days are gone. Like we as res- 
responsible divers and photographers need to do a better job, and that's part of it. The irony of the shot you just said. They're on the brain coral, and they have no brains. And then it's... That's a kind of a joke, but uh, you didn't even chuckle. I know. I, 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 was, I was laughing on the inside. <laughs> laughing on the inside. It's because I'm a karate man. Um, yeah, absolutely. And I think that's great. That And that's something that's happened over the past you know, two decades, whereas... Back in the day, you can, you know, the cover of some of the major magazines were people completely vertical in the water, you know, fins and, and shit hanging off of them everywhere. And that was uh, something, you know, you desired. It's just like, you know, listening to the news interview about diving and how much oxygen you got and those flippers look really powerful. And what, what do you, where did you get your goggles and stuff? You're like, Ugh. right, right, right. You know, so, so we, uh, we have to, you're right, we have to bring in, we're responsible people in our community that that show it like it is and how it should be yeah and and that that model who who you could use as as just a model to bring some scale to the to the photo to to bring a little bit of reality and and like the human element to the photo yeah but at the same time that diver can be lighting up something that the camera would never normally pick up and that now you can get that dramatic effect of lighting up something like that anchor or the nameplate that you never would have seen if you took that global shot because your strobe would never hit it. I mean, you, you bring up some great points and great considerations, again, for cold water because we don't have that visibility like they have. And the light we, we do get to work with is we value it. So yeah, bring a diver down. We have to think about time. We have to think about thermal considerations now, which that's another huge clock ticking, right? Right. It's just like going deep on a, on a, on a wreck. You look at some of the deep wrecks in the clear warm waters and you can't tell they're 200 feet deep. Now, just look at, we were in Isle Royal. Look at how dark it was in the middle of the day. <laughs> right. It's a, it's, a, it's a night dive. It's a night dive. Which is the whole focus the focus factor of of being able to capture the image and that was very cold water that was in the, the high 30s, 30s. Yeah. yeah high 30s and not very you don't have to go deep to get to the high 30s up there but uh most of these wrecks that we were on yeah they were quite deep and you needed to really get down to business so you have to have divers that know what the hell they're doing and you take care of business quickly and and get out of there now another thing that cold water diving and cold water shipwreck diving is going to have is occasionally we're graced with some marine life. Occasionally. O- only occasionally. <laughs> it's not the typical, like you don't generally go diving in the Great Lakes because you're looking to take marine life photos. No. But, but again, just like when you transition from taking a photo of the wreck to taking a photo of the anchor or you know, the windless, taking a photo of marine life on the wreck or passing by marine life. Like we had some, we had some like unique experiences up there on that Isle Royal trip where we had huge schools of whitefish, which you don't really see typically on a dive on the regular. I mean, that's like a, you know, that, that, that that's like the whale shark coming by, you know, it's a, it's a special it's a great occasion. White whale. Yeah. yeah it's it's, a, it's a special occasion, you know? <laughs> But you get like uh, you know some of the burbot fish on the dive from time to time, like so capturing a shot like that while you're going down, like like transitioning your mind from taking I'm taking these shipwreck photos to now I got to adjust my camera 
to take a picture of this bourbon on the rail. Yeah, I, I was, even a better example is some of our Northwest wrecks or, or, or even Northwest U.S. diving or, you, you know, it, it, the temperatures are in the 50s and I, I know they get in the 40s, um, but you've got beautiful sea life there. Right. You know, gigantic star, sea stars and the jellyfish and the uh, octopus. And octopi, yeah. That's you've got insane. kelp contrasting yeah. and... Yeah, and I mean, Cal- the California divers are going to jump in with their orange Garibaldi, and uh, but you guys don't qualify as cold, right? I mean, it's, su- it's Southern California, dude. Wah, wah, wah. It's Southern California, Justin. <laughs> <laughs> You're on Catalina for crying out loud. You don't even have gloves on. <laughs> it's not cold, man. It's Calif- California. Come on, I know the water's in the 60s. I've been there. It gets down to 59 from time to time. Exactly. In the winter, in the dead of winter. <laughs> but yeah, it's some beautiful, beautiful creatures you can get. And if you want to capture the color of them, yeah, you got to bring light. And like you say in the example you're bringing up is you, you go down, you've got, do you have to change anything? Um, you know, you have to go into the water with a certain mindset. Are you going in with, I'm going on a mission to get a shipwreck? I'm going on a mission to get divers in the environment, or I'm going on a mission to get fish or all of it. And I'm gonna I'm gonna play it by ear, and I I brought I brought my brain, and I'm going to uh, have to adjust accordingly. Right, and this is just a conversation I was having on Monday with, with a couple of people. Right, I mean it's when you look at all those different types of photos; those are all completely different types of cameras set up with different lenses with different strobe setups with different housings like you're not gonna take a picture of you know uh, a little nudibranch the size of a dime and take a big giant picture of a of a shipwreck all all with the all with the same camera and lens set up on on that one particular die that's Two completely different setups. I think there's probably those in between cameras, not not SLRs, but it's a good point and shoot kind of thing that they have that capability. That, that, or, yeah, right. Nowadays they've got some a, a little bit more range to them. So you know what I would say about that though is it does both mediocre. It does neither great. Can you get a great shot? Yes. You really got to work it though, and you you have to get lucky a lot versus the what the things we do and the cameras that we use they're kind of perfect for the great lakes and going into those places that you really need to be thinking okay how am i going to get this uh, shot here how am i going to bring something home right which is kind of where i'm going with you have to know you have to prepare for your environment with the camera as much as you do with what we were talking about earlier and last week your exposure protection you got to prepare for the cold water you got to prepare for what you're expecting to see and take a photo of so you can have the right tools with you right absolutely so i mean and mostly in our cold water it means bring bring the appropriate lens bring the appropriate lighting you know, whether you you need a strobe or the, the video lights. Um, and that is something, you know, not to go off the animal topic, but um, diving up there in Isle Royal, I brought my strobes. Of course, I had strobe issue. One strobe just continually kept malfunctioning. But besides that, compared to what you can do with the video lights, the video lights show you 
immediately when you look through the camera lens, you see what you're going to get versus when I shoot with the strobe, I'm not seeing what I'm going to get till after the strobe fires and after the image is captured. So it takes a a little bit more time and work to adjust it down. Whereas if you've got the video lights going and that's all you're shooting with, you can look through the camera and adjust accordingly as you're shooting. It's a lot less time. It's a lot less trial and error to a certain degree. And when and when uh, time is of the essence, because you're cold or you're deep, every every extra thirty seconds or minute of playing around and, and fussing certainly takes away from the ability of what you're going to be able to capture. Exactly. That I mean, that's uh, that's exactly where I'm going with this. Is when you start to take underwater photography seriously, uh, you know, you're not just bringing a GoPro and capturing what you can capture um when you start to want to bring back a real piece of art you got to take a bunch of things into consideration and when you, you do this in cold water well that just ups the game up even that much more and and when you do cold and deep you got two big clocks ticking right absolutely <laughs> right you know and when you just go in cold you don't necessarily deep you, you've got the gas you've got the time even but you're getting cold and things don't function and the light doesn't work the same way because it's so nutrient rich and the light typically in cold water it's just it's the visibility just isn't as good as the cold, the warm water another thing that we really didn't touch upon is that cold water is going to take away from those awesome little video lights that you're just talking about the battery life oh yeah 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 i mean you start talking electronics underwater it's going to work on the camera itself too Okay, because that little camera battery that gets starts, affected by the cold too. Yeah, it starts mm-hmm. getting cold and it just it quits working. So you've got a, a time restriction there that you have to be aware of. You, you're not going to be able to just, even though you're doing a 20, 30 foot dive or you have a ton of sunlight and ambient light coming, you're not going to do an hour and a half long dive because everything's going to get so cold. You're going right. to lose out on on the ability of your body to function as well as the electronics to function. Right. It's just a lot of moving parts as you get into the cold water. It's just a, a, lot, a lot more to consider, and not only with equipment, but with your own physical protection you know, from the elements. You know what else you got to protect yourself from the elements from? Cold water will do one big thing. Shrinkage. <laughs> shrinkage, baby. And when you've got shrinkage, Brando... When you've got shrinkage, people, there's nobody better to trust than your friends over at Manscaped. They can help you level up your shrinkage game with all the tools that they have, you know, particularly that lawnmower 4.0. Trim up the uh, the bushes down there. Make your, you know, members a little bit larger so you have a little bit less shrinkage. If you look up in an oak tree and you see the acorn up there and it's it's got all the foliage with the, with the green leaves all around it, the acorn looks very tiny. But when all the leaves are off, the acorn looks a lot bigger. Precisely the why. Your buddies at Great Dive Podcast are known to use titanium-coated T-blades that can are tough on hair but smooth on the rest of your body. Titanium coating, you say? Absolutely. I need titanium coating. No matter what time of year it is, people, you got to let your beach balls bounce and turn heads all over the place, and that's why you need to go to manscaped.com. Use our code TGDP. You know what it's going to get you. 20% off and free shipping. And your balls will thank you. Absolutely, they will. Get over there, people. 20% off free (laughs) shipping with the code TGDP at manscaped.com. That's 20% off free shipping. Manscaped.com. Use that code TGDP for... 
the uh, most unshrinkable shrinkage <laughs> uh, a hedge trimmer could could trim. When you want to keep that shrinkage to a minimum, or at least appear to be in a minimum, uh, that's what you're going to do. Brandon, you got any final thoughts on uh, cold water photography for the people? I do. I do have some final thoughts. Just to kind of sum everything up, there's several considerations to take into account when you're diving cold water and combining that with underwater photography. And uh, a lot of them are the same as any dive. Like, you got to be a good diver first. You got to plan the dive and and bring the correct equipment. But uh, in cold water, you don't have as much time. So the margin for error goes way down. And you're going to have to bring extra lighting if you want to really capture the true color, the true essence of the image. You need lighting because that's what cameras use. They need light. That's what photography means, writing with light. Photon. That's my my takeaway. Final thought is photon. (laughs) Captain Kirk. Captain Kirk would have said, "Bring the right equipment." That's right. Well, that that is my 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 big takeaway for the people is it's all about preparation. You know, from from keeping your body warm so that your digits work, keeping your body warm so that your brain works, so that you can actually do the the photography that you know you're you're wanting to capture mm-hmm. you know and then prepping also the the equipment so that that camera is physically equipped with the right lenses and the right lighting to get what you have pictured in your head i think that's the big big difference between somebody underwater with a camera and an underwater photographer is you know th- that underwater photographer has an idea of what they're going to go and try to bring back and mm-hmm. the better photographer they are the more likely that they're going to get back on the boat with that image in their camera versus just going down whacking the shutter and let's let's see what i got afterwards don't whack your shutter don't uh, whack uh, your uh, shutter especially if you've got <laughs> shrinkage go to manscape.com people <laughs> Brando, are we done no with cold wrecking. water? Are we doing another cold water? So no long uh, We're not done. No, we're, we're getting, cold we're water. Getting, we are getting these divers ready for cold water this season. There's going to be no excuses, people. So no logbooks. We will talk to you next week. Same bat time. Same bat channel. And uh, yeah, we will talk to you next there week. You go. We'll talk right. at you. I don't know what else to say to that. We'll have more cold water diving chatter. Okay, I got it. Oh, really? So somebody un- is out at my camera, fucking around. Um, uh, sorry, I got to turn it off real quick. Yeah, no, just go. Uh, we'll close out. And- uh, wouldn't that be cool if my it was going off because I was being robbed and they came in here and we got it all caught? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. I mean, um, those we have way more cold water stuff to help with our cold water divers. That doesn't mean our, our warm water divers should tune us out. No, no. We're prepping them for their next cold water adventure. So we will talk to you, everybody, next week. Yeah, damn Skippy. That's what we're looking for. <laughs> He's waiting. <laughs> Just say it. <laughs> You've had too much coffee.